This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Rachel Turner, and this week we are looking at... Uh, women in the Bible and how we can help our kids identify with them and learn from them when their experience is so different from our, our modern experience. Uh, we're going to be looking at a question of a parent who uh, is experiencing, like many of us, the sort of emotionally drained, I'm on my knees, how do I parent for faith when we are absolutely empty. And we're going to be looking at how do we use all these resources and devotionals and fantastic stuff that's out there for our children, but do it in a way that still uh, helps them meet and know God and keeps us as parents powerful in the journey rather than just letting the resource do all the work. So uh, we're going to be looking at that today, uh, as well as always an interesting conversation to start uh, with an interesting question to start a conversation with your kid. Um, also, before I just get started, I just want to remind you that the Parenting for Faith book, uh, Parenting Children for a Life of Faith, is out on audiobook. It's 10 hours of me reading at you. Uh, that is Parenting Children for Life of Faith, Parenting Children for Life of Purpose, and Parenting Children for Life of Confidence, all wrapped up into one omnibus. So if you I want to access that. Uh, it's on Audible and uh, other audiobook places, I think. Uh, so let's jump into this whole uh, question. It actually came out of a question uh, that was written into by a listener. And we love hearing your questions. It shapes so much of what we do. And so uh, I'd love to uh, hear from you. If you have a question, please send it in because we, we um, really shape it response to you. Um, the question is this. Um, I read in a children's, I was reading in a children's Bible to my girl. She is 11 years old, and it was about a woman who became one of David's wives because she had paid David what her husband didn't want to. When her husband died sometime later, David married her. Uh, and just an aside, I assume this is the story of Abigail and, and Nabal. Um, before, if you don't know this story, before David became a king, he was being hunted by Saul and sort of protecting people's herds in exchange for supplies and food. And Abigail's husband refused to provide supplies for David and his pals. And so they came on their way to bring description to Nabal and his household and everything. And when Abigail heard of it, she rushed out and ran to meet David and his horde of soldiers and smoothed it over with a lot of bravery and wisdom. And 10 days later, Nabal, uh, Abigail's foolish husband, died and eventually she married David. So if you want to look at that story, it's in 1 Samuel 25. So back to the question. Um, the question is this, uh, when we had finished reading, my daughter laughed. What a fool that woman was just to marry someone she didn't know. I tried to explain how everything was different back then, but I could tell from the look in her eyes I could never be like that, and she wasn't able to identify with this character. And I'm afraid no woman in the Bible when it comes to marrying someone or being with a husband. So my question is, how can a girl learn how to behave towards men or her future husband when reading the Bible? 
And I thought this was an absolutely fantastic question. Um, you may remember I did a whole wildcard section about this in episode 17 about awkward love stories in the Old Testament. So if you haven't heard that, I'd suggest you go find it. Uh, it's episode 17. I think it may be just called awkward love stories. It's the wildcard section. It's the one at the end. And that may help. But um, I wanted to pick up on two questions that are sort of embedded in the question here, which is one, how do we identify with women in the Bible when their experiences are so different from ours? And and I also want to address, you know, boys in this as well. But um, how can we learn about relationships when the structures were so different back then? So I just wanted to just briefly address this. How can we identify with women in the Bible and have our girls identify with women in the Bible when their experiences are so different from ours? My answer is this. We don't have to identify with them. The goal isn't to identify with them. It's to learn from them and to see God through them. I want our boys to admire and learn from the women in the Bible as much as the men and vice versa. Our boys can't identify with the men in the Old Testament who are commanded into battle uh, at a very young age or have multiple wives. Uh, our girls can't identify with women who seem powerless in their choices for their lives, and that's okay. But we can be challenged by these women in Scripture and learn from them. And so I would suggest that you find something to admire in every character, but in, in particular, find something to admire in these women. Find a situation that your child has experienced uh, and peel off whenever you find something interesting to talk about. So if we look at this story of Abigail, Abigail found herself in a situation that we don't wish to be in. We can't imagine what it is like to have no other option in life than to marry a man whose character is reprehensible and be forced to live with the abuse, unpredictability, and agony of having a drunk fool for a husband. And to be trapped in that can feel unimaginable. We don't know how she ended up there. If you want to, at this point, you can peel off and have a whole conversation about this, which is simply, I'm really glad that you have the option, my daughter, of not being forced into that. You can marry whoever you want. So my question is, what kind of person are you going to choose? And you guys can have a great conversation about the character of a person you want to pick to be partnered with for a lifetime and what you look for in a future partner and how can you tell and do you think abigail knew ahead of time and do you think her family cared and do you care all oh, i mean it can be go on for huge or you can continue with the story and try to find a common experience between her life and abigail's life you can tell your daughter you know i bet you've had the experience i know i have a feeling stuck with someone else's bad decision um a, f a friend, a sibling, the frustration, the anger, the feeling of fear of getting punished for someone else's stupid choice. You know, from when I, as a parent, make a bad decision on a recipe and I cook something and we all have to live with it, <laughs> or to the time that I was standing next to my friend and she had drugs in her pocket, we all got arrested and ugh. we've all had the experience of standing too close to someone who made a really bad choice and now we feel trapped in it. Uh, and we may want to hide or run away when that happens. We may want to cover for the person's bad choices. But Abigail ran straight towards the danger. She ran straight towards the consequence. And 
and intervened. And that is incredibly powerful. And at that point, you can then peel off and tell stories of when you needed to intervene when things were going wrong and ask her questions and you could be having a whole conversation. Or you can continue with the story and look at her marriage to David. You know, at that time, women weren't allowed to be independent, to work for themselves. They had almost no rights. There are places around the world that that is still the case. And if you want to, you could then peel off on a whole exploration of women's rights around the world. Or you can continue to press into Abigail's character. You know, she had to make a decision that required bravery. Her husband was dead. She had no way to live. David offered, and she had to make another enormous decision. She was recently married to an awful person, and she didn't want that again. Did David show her enough of his character? Did she feel that God was leading? I I don't know. But there will be times in your life, daughter, where you are faced with a massive decision that will affect your future and will have to make it fast. Not about marriage, but maybe a job, an opportunity, a friendship, a temptation to reject. Abigail didn't flinch in the face of that decision. How do you face decisions? And you're off on another conversation. So find something to admire and and then peel off and delve into that story. It may be about relationships. It may be about something else. The second thing I would suggest is that uh, you look at at that question you asked about how to learn about relationships, marriage relationships, when the structures were so different. You know, these people were in plural marriages. You know, Abigail left to become David's wife, but she was the second wife. And that's so hard to identify with. Uh, but there is something in there for us to learn about marriage in scripture. Uh, and this can be hard. It's really hard to just look at those relationships and just pick them up and, you know, sort of use them and go, ah, they were married. Let's just pick that up and use it now because it can feel a million miles away from what we're experiencing. And uh, again, I'd really suggest you to check out episode 17 to explore how to deal with awkward love stories and romance in the Bible. But I just wanted to pick up that that doesn't mean that the Bible has nothing to say about learning how to understand how marriage works. And I'd suggest that as you read the Bible together, you begin to notice what makes good relationships, good friendships, good partnerships, and bring that into marriage conversations. Some will be about marriages and some won't. Things like, I love the Jonathan and David friendship. Jonathan should have been king next, but David was put in that place by God. Jonathan was okay with that, supported him. He he wasn't jealous or competitive, but saw God in his friend and celebrated his future and had his back. And I think the best marriages work like that. When both people celebrate each other, when one flies and does something that others recognize, they support and cheer and, and back and forth. I want you, my kid, you know, boy or girl, I want you to have a partner, a, a spouse who is never jealous of your successes, but celebrates everything God has called you to. And I never want you to feel small when uh, your spouse or your husband has has big callings that God brings and you feel that that it's all about him in this season and I'm really small. I never want you to feel less than. God in scripture celebrates both of them. You can admire all the relationships and friendships in the Bible, and that can be applied to the marriage relationship. This works for parents who are married and those that aren't. If you're married, you can share stories of this in your own marriage. If you're solo parenting, then this approach allows you to share what is important to marriage by reflecting on what makes a good relationship. Uh, I hope that helps, gives you some next steps. I like your kid. She sounds really smart. (laughs) 
Uh, yes, check out episode 17 for more if you want to know the awkward Bible stories. But uh, yeah. For the question section, uh, we had a question from a parent. Uh, I sort of feel as the heart cry of a lot of us in this season. Uh, this parent uh, wrote in and said, I am so done done with lockdown and emotions, and I feel like I'm sort of shut down the spiritual side of me. I have an 8-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a 13-year-old. How can I parent for faith when I feel so tired? I just want to say I understand. I've reached that so many times in this season. Uh, I've been there. So many of my friends and those around the world are feeling what you're feeling, and you are not alone. Sometimes the season of parenting for faith isn't about doing anything with our kids but giving yourself permission to go on your journey if, if we're called to to walk alongside our children journey to journey then then sometimes we need to remind ourselves to take our feet forward and continue to grow it starts with letting them get windows into your journey and i guarantee you that at some point in the future your children will experience what you are feeling and you have the opportunity right now to show them what to do when they arrive there at the end in themselves, the dry, exhausted, empty place. You can show them that when you're done and dry and have nothing left, this is what you do with God. You sit in the back garden and stare at a wall listening to Lectio 365 because your brain can't pray, but you can listen to others pray and say amen with your heart. Or you play worship music and nap in the afternoon while your kids watch TV. Or you call a friend and have them pray for you. You link into God. Find your way of catching from God in this season. Ask him for his peace and wait for it at night when you're putting your kids to bed or... Try music, read something, show your kids that faith is more than behavior, but it's a relationship that you need. And don't worry about giving more. Don't worry about doing more. Don't worry about uh, doing anything. Just be you. Prioritize you. Your journey towards God is a powerful statement to your kids that when you are on your knees, you turn to God and not away from him. I just wanted to pray for you, really. God, I thank you for all parents who are absolutely at the edge of empty, God. And I thank you that we, when we need you, you pour in. And so right now, wherever we are, whether we're doing dishes, whether we're driving, whether we're out for a jog, that you pour into us your life, your peace, your joy, your awareness of the world and the beauty within it. God, I pray that you would revive us, refresh us. That you would wrap around the places that are dry and needing you and that you would let us feel your smile upon our lives. Fill us with your strength and stamina. Lift our eyes that we may uh, see your joy. I pray that you would give us the gift of laughter, that we can remember what it is like to belly laugh. And God, I pray that you would show us you, whether it's through scripture, through other people, 
through just encountering you in the back garden or through the wise words of our kid or through those little moments that we grab in the shower or on the toilet with you as we're standing around those little moments of connection please come close to us god because we need you we need you to do like 99.999 percent of the work because we've got no energy to run towards you but i thank you that you run towards us so we say yes come in god we need you in jesus name amen hang in there You're doing great, and you can make it. There are so many resources out there, books and devotionals, and we can want to grab them and use them, and many are absolutely fantastic. But you are the main resource to your kids. You are the gift that God has given your kids to help them meet and know God. And so how can we continue to embrace that calling and help our kids meet and know him and use these fantastic resources at the same time? Uh, So Anna Hawken, our National Parenting for Faith Coordinator, is going to share some of her wisdom on this. uh, And uh, it's going to be really useful. So hang on. Something that we often get asked about is whether there is a devotional or um, Bible reading notes, that kind of thing, that we would recommend. And so I thought I'd share two books, devotional books, that I really like. Um, I'm not much of a devotional book type person, so these are not ones that I sit down and do every day. Um, They're both, they just live in my children's room or sometimes downstairs. Um, And they're ones that I grab when I'd like a little bit of inspiration and encouragement um, and just to spark a thought and a question and a conversation, really. Um, And what I like about both of these is that I don't feel patronised by them. So as a parent, I am looking for something that feeds and encourages and challenges my children. But actually, if I'm honest, I want it to make me stop and think as well. And what both of these do really cleverly is, um, yeah, they give me some food for thought and my kids. So my children are two and four, but I would say they're on the younger end for these. So um, both of them I would recommend for kind of primary school age or a little bit younger if you're doing it with the kids. So the first one is called Thoughts to Make Your Heart Sing. And it's by Sally Lloyd-Jones, who is the author of the Jesus Storybook Bible, um, which I also really like because it... links everything back to Jesus and what he's doing and it's just very creative and beautiful. Um, It's illustrated by Jago. I love that he's so famous and cool that he doesn't even need a surname. Um, He's just called Jago, uh, who does the Jesus Storybook Bible as well, so it's really beautiful. And this is kind of the artsy one, if I can simplify it that much. So it has a little thought, it has a topic and a story. And often some questions, some things to think about. And it always ends with a Bible verse. So I love that that's getting that little bit of scripture. Um, You could even use it as a memory verse or something like that if you wanted to. Um, But yeah, I really like that one because of the beautiful pictures and the kind of themes and topics that it brings up. And then the other one in a similar vein that I wanted to recommend was um, Indescribable, 100 Devotions About God and Science by Louis Giglio. Now, I know many of you have recommended this as well, and probably the most popular one that comes up. And so, again, if I was simplifying, this is the sciencey one, if the other one's the artsy one. 
uh, and many of our children like both those things um but i would say what's great about them is you can sort of surf the wave of what your child's into if they're going through a really sciencey phase brilliant um this is a really good resource to use uh, so the Louis Giglio one is slightly different so it starts off with a bible passage um, and then it tells you a little bit about something cool in science uh, there's stuff about animals there's stuff about space there's stuff about cool scientific experiments all sorts um, and it gives you it's sort of like a little intro almost like an assembly I guess or a, a little thought for the day where it talks about something in nature that God's made and how cool and clever it is and explains a bit more. So it's just very interesting um, for your inner nerd. And it has a little um, bit by the side as well that says, Be Amazed, that has a really a cool fun fact, uh, which is the sort of thing I would have liked as a kid and still quite like now. Um, and then it ends with a prayer. Uh, so that's not massively my thing it feels a little bit too formulaic for me but I can see that would could really work for some kids who like to have something structured to kind of say um, and it might be another kind of way to spark a conversation so yeah I think I would just encourage you if this is something that you'd like to do go for it try one out maybe get a friend to get one as well and swap so that you can you can see what might work for you um, but don't feel tied into just because you've got bought the book that you have to do it in exactly the same way at exactly the same time. Again, if that works for you, great. Um, but I've never been that kind of person with my kids and I feel like family life just hasn't worked like that for us. Um, but put it somewhere obvious. The uh, Rachel talked about the book Atomic Habits by James Clear in a previous episode and he was saying if you want to read a book put it on your pillow you <laughs> put it somewhere where you're going to see it so if you've got one of these and you want to use it put it on your child's pillow put it on the breakfast table put it I don't know somewhere where you're going to notice it and think hey let's grab one of those let's have a thought and just use it as a springboard use it to throw out an idea or set you thinking about something but don't be limited by it let's see what other questions come from your children and encourage them to ask anything you they want um, there's a section on our website about simple steps to answering kids' questions. So don't feel like they're going to ask things that you don't know the answers to. Um, yeah, and just see where it goes. Use it to start some chat and catch or to have a conversation before you go on a car journey or something else. Um, yeah, so those are the two that I really like. Thoughts to Make Your Heart Sing by Sally Lloyd-Jones and illustrated by Jago. Uh, and that seems to be published by Zonda Kids. And Indescribable, 100 Devotions About God and Science by Louis Giglio. Uh, and that's by Tommy Nelson. I'll put links to them in the show notes. And the question to start an interesting conversation with your kid this week is this. If you had to pick one person in the Bible to marry, who would it be and why? <laughs> I really considered whether or not I should take Jesus out of the running, but I think it might be interesting to leave Jesus in there. So, uh, yeah, have a good conversation. I'd be really, I'm really intrigued at this one. I almost want you to like email me in and let you know. I want a little, little poll. Ooh, maybe we're making a poll online. Ooh, look out for a poll. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you.